here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Round Fantasy Football Podcast. We have just completed week 18 of the NFL season. And for a lot of you out there, you may have had one final shot at glory in your fantasy football championships. Uh, I know our league of record is finally in the books. And Mark in our league is a first-time winner. Congratulations to Malky pulling out the big win back-to-back high-scoring weeks. Uh, we played all the way through. He put his head down. He had a great team all year long, and congrats to him taking out his own brother in, in the in the act. And, and ironically, uh, Pat, you know a little bit of something about those two guys, huh? Yeah, you know, I well, I was glad that the uh, McCarthy name was going to go on the on the belt again this year. There are four of us, four of my, me and three of my brothers in the league. And it, it had been a little while since uh, McCarthy had taken the belt home. So it's good to, good to see Mark get his first win in this league and good to, good to have uh, the, the championship back in, in my name, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can take some credit for that. I taught him everything he knows. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Ah, man. No, that is, uh, again, it was hard fought. I know, again, the two best teams pretty much all season were were Marks and and Jays. And so, again, it could have come down to either. Week 18 did come down to some of those, you know, guys only played a quarter or a half just in there for an incentive. Games maybe didn't matter as much. Uh, and that kind of had a little bit of an emphasis. But, again, you're getting high-scoring uh, high scoring players. Well, anybody sitting on Cooper Cup all season is going to be – Probably a pretty big smile uh, at this time of the year, you know, enjoying the golden boy, getting them maybe some championship glory. So, again, congrats to him and everybody in our league and everybody listening. Hopefully you won or, or finished well, and hopefully maybe we had something to do with that. And if you didn't, hey, there's always next year. Uh, we like to make a lot of calls, a lot of picks, and that's what a lot of this is going to be today. We're going to do a little bit of our start, sit, year and review. Pat and I. Have made some calls through the season, and we are looking to see uh, who was smarter. I mean, we know deep down who is, but when it comes to fantasy football, we definitely want to see who made the right calls, who made the wrong calls, who made the best calls, maybe. Uh, and it's going to be ironic that you know we weren't too far off uh, when it came to a lot of things. So, what do you think, Pat? You want to want to dive in there and give them uh, give them the lowdown on the hoedown. Yeah, man. One quick shout out real quick, just before we jump into our start sit numbers. I had a, uh, a, f- a friend, a coworker of mine who you know, started listening to the podcast. He talks fantasy football with me whenever he comes into the office and he, uh, he was texting me over the weekend and, and sort of, you know, asking me what I thought about certain things. And, and he has a, a pretty good idea of what was going on. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that any advice that I may have given him possibly helped, but he, he texted me today and uh, let me know that he did win his fantasy championship. So uh, congratulations to Terrell Tyson. Uh, you just, you know, it's our first, well, what I would consider our first nine route championship, uh, you know, for, for one of our listeners, you know, my, my brother doesn't count because, you know, He's family. He kind of has to listen to these things or, or at least download them anyway. I don't know if he actually listens, but he has to at least download them for us as a as a courtesy. So but uh, congratulations to uh, Terrell Tyson and uh, congrats on your on your victory. 
Terrell, awesome job. Thank you for listening. We are glad to be a part of that. And for everybody out there, obviously now Terrell can be uh, somebody to go to as a proof that we do win you championships in your league. So we are 100% guaranteed to win you a championship from here on out. And we are free to listen to on all podcasts and YouTube. So just putting that out there. Great job, Terrell. All right. So let's jump into the start sit numbers for the year. So you know, obviously, as with anything that you do in life, if you want to be good at something, there's a process. Uh, part of that process is reviewing your results. And so throughout the season, each one of our start sits, we've been keeping records. And basically, the way we decided to, I guess, give these start sits either a, a pass or fail grade was, um, you know, as you know, as I've said multiple times, we try to give you start sets that are, you know, sort of on the border of maybe the this the flex border, or you know, if you're looking at quarterbacks, tight ends, or defenses, we're we're looking right on the edge of the top twelve. We don't, uh, you know, we don't take the easy way out and pick, you know, Patrick Mahomes every week as as our start of the week. We we try to give you guys, you know, that are going to potentially be streaming options or guys that you have an injury or you need a replacement guys that you can go to, to, to kind of fill in for somebody who, you know, may not be playing or, and especially in week 18, a lot of guys didn't play. And, and so, you know, we tried to give you some options as far as some other guys that you could slide into your lineup and, you know, maybe some guys that you should slide out of your lineup as well. So we want to go over those numbers. Uh, we've gone over them already, but we want to share them with you just so that, you know, we're being transparent with, with everything that we put out. So we, we're not going to pretend that we get everything right. Nobody does. That's basically impossible. But uh, we do think that we do a pretty good job. We put a lot of time and effort into it. So we just wanted to kind of give you a, a rundown of, of how we did. So you want to you wanna do your numbers first, and then I'll go into mine, or do you just want to do them all together? How do you want to uh, roll it? Well, yeah, I guess. Um, or how about I do your numbers and you do my numbers? Oh, that sounds intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do me, I do you. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're we're online, so we're safe. <laughs> we're more than six feet so six feet away. I don't need to wear a mask. I'm fine. It's okay. Um, all right. So yeah, I'll take a look here at what Patrick did for the season. Uh looks like total we got 39 correct starts. We have 58 correct sits. So that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good sample size right there. Uh, we're looking at how many packed out wrong, uh, and again, wrong is a relative term. Like Pat's saying, it's you know with the with the scoring guidelines, I'll, I'll go over real quick that the way we set this up and, and Pat fine tuned it pretty well is if you're looking at a top twelve quarterback, a top thirty six running back or wide receiver, a top twelve tight end, a top twelve defense. Or if a guy made a certain point threshold, you know, quarterback scoring 25, running back, wide receiver gets 15, a tight end gets you about 12, a defense gets you about eight. So again, they could have been outside the rankings based on ties, things like that. But again, basically you're looking for elite production to startable production, hence the concept every week or sitable. Uh, again, if they were way, way outside. So looking at overall for Pat, Correct starting percentage, he hit 45.35% of the time. That is pretty darn good. That means that Pat, almost half the time, Pat was right 
And again, wrong doesn't mean is wrong. It just means that the guy, you know, it doesn't mean the guy got you no points at all. It just means that instead of being in that, a wide receiver was the 37th ranked wide receiver. So he might've missed by one, you know, that's pretty darn good bet. I do say congratulations on that. When it came to calling who not to start. So his sits, Pat was right. 67.44% of the time based on our scoring guidelines. That means Basically, two-thirds of the time, if you want to know who not to play, give Pat a call. Email him. You try to find out what the heck's going on. The you totals, just check my lineup and see who to sit. Whoever I have hey. in is who you should have probably sat. But Yeah, you know. You can listen, <laughs> you can listen to the Nine Round Fantasy Football podcast like you're doing right now and get all the answers. We are, uh, we're looking at Pat's totals. And total correct, period. Starts and sits, 97. That's, that's pretty solid right there. I will go into the negative and say that Pat's total wrong, 75 that he just missed or was wrong on. Again, sometimes we're dead wrong. I, I know I was a few times. Again, that is that is pretty solid there. That means almost 100 times Pat called the right starts and sits. Dude, awesome job, man. Uh, again, I know you put a lot of time into researching. You know, you're basically watch Red Zone all Sunday. Your kids could be burning the house down around you. Uh, <laughs> you, you might just move to the backyard and stream it at that point. But yeah, that did awesome job, man. I, I I know you put a lot of work into that. Great, great job making these calls. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm gonna pay you to be my hype man now. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's jump into your numbers uh, as well. So your start. Correct. It was exactly the same as mine, 39. So Mine's think alike. <laughs> apparently. And and of course, obviously, you know, we we never start or sit the same people. So we were giving you five starts, five sits per week, each of us as a total of 360 different players that we either recommended or did not recommend throughout the season. So for for these numbers, you know, just understand that in some of these instances injuries or guys not playing due to COVID because we record so early in the week, they don't, they don't all necessarily fall into this. So just be aware of that, of that fact that we may say to start a guy and then all of a sudden, you know, Friday, he shows up on the COVID list and and obviously we don't get a chance to get on here and record a, uh, a change to that. So, so you got 39, right? Same as me. You got 48 sit calls, correct. And I think for you, you know, having a few less sits correct than I did probably came from the fact that you went a little bit bigger and bolder on some of your sit calls, which, you know, may have caused you to get a few more wrong, but I think was, you know, a, a, a like I said, a, a kind of a bold move on your part. You're, you weren't afraid to sort of shy away from some big name players in, in your sit calls. And, you know, I think when it comes to how many of these you actually got right or wrong, there was probably some that you called as a sit that were more of a fade who still ended up maybe finishing, you know, inside that top 36 or, you know, just barely making that, that point threshold that, you know, unfortunately had to be counted as incorrect. But I think that because of the fact that, you know, they were guys who even on a bad week, we're probably going to finish inside the top 36. I think it was, you know, some of those calls were still good, even though they weren't necessarily graded as, you know, correct calls on here. As far as your incorrect calls, you got 46 of your start calls incorrect, which is actually one better than, than me, and 36 of your sit calls incorrect. So your total 
Uh, start percentage correct was 45.88, which was a little bit better than mine. Uh, I'm You're, sorry. Could, could you could you repeat that? I, I did. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. The, the little bit better than mine part. Oh, oh. The, um, I apologize. I thought it was the, my headphones weren't connected, so I just want to check. <laughs> Your your correct sit calls were at fifty seven point one four percent. So uh, you are about, better at talking sit. <laughs> <laughs> I know who not to start, and, and and like I said, that's mostly because they're all on my on my roster. Yeah. Uh, like, well, you're uh, in like ten leagues, so yeah. At this yeah, that's true. That's true. So overall total, you got eighty seven correct. You got eighty two incorrect, and then you had eleven. Uh, players that didn't, you know, didn't get graded one way or the other based, like I said, based off of injury or uh, based off of not playing in the game after we had, um, you know, maybe spoke about them uh, on the podcast. So overall, you got 48.3% of your starts, correct? Which is, you know, like I said, going into the season, I think you and I both kind of aimed for a 50% correct rate. And you got 45% incorrect. So you actually got more percentage, a higher percentage correct than you got incorrect. So as far as a 50-50 goes, I think that that, you know, that's basically what we were shooting for. You had a few more, um, you know, of those non-graded players due to due to injury or, or what, what have you. So, um, you know, overall, like I said, we both, we both did better than 50-50. We both got more correct than we did incorrect. So, I feel like, you know, for the, our first year doing this and, and you know, sort of jumping into this without any real, um, you know, I don't want to say experience. We, we have experience, plenty of experience in fantasy football, maybe not as much experience recording, but, uh, you know, I feel like we did a pretty good job overall in our start sets this, this year. Well, as a smart man once said, I consider experience experience, and you and I both have that from many years of playing and watching and adapting to, you know, PPR and, uh, you know, dynasty and keepers and the whole nine yards. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I, I think that, you know, that looking at some of these ideas of, you know, making calls and, and things like that, we're, we're trying to do the heavy lifting for everybody out there so that, you know, we make it a little bit easier for you. And I mean, you see some of these, heavy hitter prognosticators out there. And, and I'll bet you if we put some of our stats up against theirs, eh, might be, you know, might be kind of close, might be a little better here, a little worse there. I'm break it down by position. I'm sure, you know, Pat, you're probably better calling running backs than maybe Joe Schmo, big guy, big guy or gal out there. So um, yeah, no, I, I think that some of it, it just comes with watching the game and understanding it, looking at the trends, looking uh, this year, like you said, more than ever, the, the COVID bug really kind of started creeping up there at the, the second half of the season with a lot of people that seem healthy, just missed the week because of protocols. I know in my my work league, I, I lost Travis Kelsey in a week that I needed to really get him in for a, you know one of my playoff matchups, and it just didn't happen, and, and it kind of helped to knock me out. So yeah, kind of kind of sucked, uh, and I know it affected a lot of people that way where you get to that point and there's nobody on waivers. There's nobody to pick up. You're starting whoever's whoever might play out there. So uh, again, that's why we were trying to get you a little bit earlier in the week and, and hopefully, uh, you know, put you in the right spot when it comes to, to making these calls and starts and sits. And again, some of it's stats, some of it's eye tests, a little gut and, you know, next year we'll, we'll strive for 60% and 70 and, and so on and so forth. But 
uh, knowing that we helped to uh, contribute to at least one championship of record, possibly two, if, if Marky, uh, you know, avoids radio silence and decides to come out and enjoy his championship. You know, definitely we are, we're happy to do this. We're having a lot of fun and, and we're excited to get season one in the books and, and look forward to, you know, getting everything lined up for the NFL for next year. You're going to have a draft and, and summer training camps and free agency and things like that. They're going to factor in. And before you know it, it'll be June and we'll be talking about our 10th mock draft already and figuring out, <laughs> you know, who, 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 who was, who was the fourth pick of the sixth round in your draft? Well, you know, so-and-so took, yeah, uh, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to doing that for everybody out there. Yeah. And we're going to continue to try to record weekly We're we're going to scale back to, to one, you know, one session per week. Now I know that we kind of ramped it up to two because it just felt like we couldn't fit all of our waivers and streamers and start sits all in the same episode. So we, we kind of went to two a week. I think we're going to, going to, we're going to go back to one during the playoffs since there really isn't any fantasy implications. Uh, unless you're in some sort of playoff fantasy league, which you know you and I personally don't really take part in, so what we would like to do moving forward in you know the upcoming playoff, if you will, weeks, is just go over the games with you guys and and talk a little you know real football instead of fantasy football, and kind of you know give our give our takes on the playoff matchups, and we're gonna do another little contest because you know Rudy and I love competing with each other and uh, rubbing it in each other's faces when we win. So we're going to go ahead and pick each of these playoff games each week. And then we were going to come back and review those picks. We'll pick straight up games and then we'll also pick against the spread. That'll give, you know, anybody out there who, you know, may be potentially into, you know, those spread numbers and what they, what they deal with just a little thought process on, how we feel about these games and, and just this for us, honestly, to see how well we do picking games moving forward. So I think without further ado, we will jump into our playoff, our wildcard weekend playoff matchups. All right. So the first playoff game of the 2021 season, the 2022 postseason is going to be Saturday at four 30. The Las Vegas Raiders travel to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Raiders are a six-point underdog in this game, and uh, Scott and I both researched, you know, sort of different aspects of the game. Me personally, what I was looking at was where these teams ranked in basically the four major areas that I look at when it comes to matchups and and who I think would potentially win a game, uh, you know, versus another team. And what I looked at was points scored, points allowed, rushing yards passing yards, and then the turnover differential, the um, passing and rushing touchdowns. Uh, I, I didn't really go too deep into that, those stats only because I feel like throughout the season, those stats can sort of be, you know, you can have a game where, you know, you have a, a, a running quarterback, you know, rush for two touchdowns in a game and, you know, in other divisions because they play different teams you know, maybe they don't face as many rushing quarterbacks. So I don't really look too, too much into, into the, the touchdown portion of it, because I, I feel like touchdowns are one of those stats that they don't really tell the whole story. I feel like over the course of a game, how many yards you give up tells the story a little bit better on, and that's how the NFL actually ranks offenses and defenses. It's about 
the number one defense, the number one offense versus the rush versus the pass and so on and so forth. And then the number one offense scoring offense and number one scoring defense and stuff like that. So those are the stats that I particularly looked at. And in this game, just give you a quick rundown. The Raiders are 18th in points scored on the year, uh, averaging about 22 points per game. They are 26th, giving up 25.8 points per game, 28th in offensive rush yards, sixth in offensive passing yards, and they have a negative nine turnover differential. So they've turned the ball over nine more times than they've taken it away. On defense, they are 19th in rush yards allowed per game and 13th in pass yards allowed. Now, all that is to say that basically the Raiders were not very good at many things except throwing the ball. And in a lot of the the instances, it was because they were behind and because, you know, they just, they're a team who, you know, with Derek Carr at, at the helm, you know, throws the ball a little bit more than, than they rush, obviously. Cincinnati Bengals were eighth in points scored. They were 17th in points given up, 23rd rush yards allowed, 7th in pass yards allowed. And their turnover differential was zero. So it was even. They had the same amount of turnovers on offense as they did on defense. Defensively, they allowed the fifth fewest rushing yards and the 26th most passing yards. Basically, with given all those numbers up front, it was just a way to kind of show that the Raiders like to throw the ball, obviously. The Cincinnati Bengals have a little bit more, I don't want to say more balanced attack, but they, they still throw the ball a lot as well. But I think this is one of those games where it's going to be high scoring, which is, I think, why they went with a six-point spread in this game. If you look at their matchup earlier in the season, Week 11, Cincinnati won that matchup 32-13. to They rushed for 159 yards in that game, and Joe Mixon had 30 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Now, it was a close game for, for most of that game, but I think going back and looking at the, at the game again, what really happened was at the end of the game, the Raiders turned the ball over twice, and Cincinnati turned both of those turnovers into touchdowns, which kind of opened that game up big time. And I think it was, you know, it was obviously the reason that the game uh, ended with such a, a lopsided score. I personally believe the Raiders are a really scrappy team, but they can also be very undisciplined. I think in order for them to have a chance in this game, they're going to have to avoid the turnovers. And I do think that they will do that. I think they'll keep this game close. But in the end, I think Cincinnati has just too much talent on offense. And I think they're going to end up pulling this game out. As far as my pick for the week, I like the Bengals to win. And I think that they're going to cover the six points just because the offensive firepower on this team is just, you know, that's what the Bengals do. They score and, uh, I think they're going to score a, a pretty decent amount of points against the Raiders. It was very comprehensive, Pat. I like that. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to agree. Again, I, I did look into uh, what I do. it. I mean, again, I do sometimes dig deep for some of those parts. And, and one thing I think that some of those that do maybe pick games for entertainment purposes only, shall we say, it, whether you be in the state of New Jersey or Pennsylvania and you are over the age of 21, basically like we go digging for information for fantasy football. And we actually look at different things like just like Pat was going through passing offense, scoring defense, 
uh, points given up to wide receivers, uh, you know, things like that, streaks of the last couple of weeks and stuff. Uh, I know some people that are out there go with things about against the spread and how they play on grass at night in weather under 40 degrees. Well, I'm not going that route because some of that stuff just seems ironic more than truly statistic. But when we go digging for a lot of that information to figure out who to start and sit, who to draft, who to pick up off of waivers and, and stuff like that, who to look for in a trade. That's what we're looking at. Fantasy football and real football, they do coexist. Again, obviously things are different on some levels, but I always have a belief that statistics don't lie. They just don't always tell the whole truth. You can look at all the numbers you want, but again, sometimes you do have to look at the situation and the matchup and the intangibles, the momentum, the injuries, this, that, and the third to really make a pick when it comes to certain games. Not going to say that I am right all the time or, or anything like that. Obviously, we just said that we were both right about half the time when it came to picking players, for instance. So again, looking at this Raiders-Bengals game, yeah, I, I think the Raiders snuck in to the playoffs. I, I, the, the fact that the Chargers kind of folded a little bit down the, the end of the season, the fact that Indianapolis lost such a terrible game to Jacksonville, they really shouldn't kind of be in this conversation. But you know what? I, I do enjoy that they have rallied the troops from firing the coach, from the whole Henry Ruggs situation. There's a lot going on with that team, and they could have totally been – you know, a four-win team and just fold it up and, and just wait it for next year as they've done many years before. I am happy to see them doing what they're doing. I like Derek Carr. I think he's, again, Pat, you said he, he's he's a scrappy quarterback. He's that guy. You do root for him because, you know, damn right well, like if given the right situation, he could really be a stud. He's got those moments. Beginning of this year, that offense looked like they were really clicking. It's like, oh, wait a minute. The Raiders might be a real deal. And then things that were out of their control helped them to kind of fall apart. On the other side of that football, the Cincinnati Bengals, who have been a laughing stock for years, uh, slowly have amassed one of the most talented offenses in, in some time. I mean, it's a passing league. And to see that you have a quarterback, Joe Burrow, a wide receiver, rookie in Jamar Chase, who, you know, they were teammates. You see T. Higgins, another SEC guy who's who's coming through there. Tyler Boyd, who last year was the best wide receiver on the team, is now kind of like just there. But a good thing to have a guy like that just there. And then you enter Joe Mixon, who pretty much healthy throughout the season has really been a constant for them in a fairly balanced offense that's putting up some some serious points and some serious totals throughout the, especially the second half of the season, really kind of flexing a little bit. I do feel that the Bengals score about 27 points a game. I can't see the Raiders, their defense gives up about that much. They give up close to 26 a game. I mean, looking at some of these totals going back and forth, you got the seventh best offense against the 26th best defense. So it's going to be, you know, football is kind of like a boxing match. You know, they're going to work the body. Because they have a Raiders have a little bit of a decent passing defense. They're built to beat the Chargers, the Chiefs. So they might be able to hang with them for a little bit. Uh, if Joe Mixon can get anything started against that team uh, out of the backfield, and they get some underneath work going. Uh, they're just going to work the body and then go for the head. And uh, the Raiders strike me as a one and done team. I mean, unless the unless the the Bengals smell themselves and they go walking into their home stadium thinking we're just looking ahead to next week. That does happen to young teams. They they haven't been there before. When's the last time you said Cincinnati Bengals 
in the playoffs. They won their division. They're they're riding high. They're smoking cigars and shooting gats in the locker room. Um, you know that's cool, but you still got pro. You still got some pro teams you got to play, and the Raiders won't just walk in there and lay down. But I definitely like the Bengals on the money line, uh, straight up, so to speak. Uh, I do like them at the the point total too. I, they should win by a touchdown. Uh, and I see the over-under is like 49 and a half. I would kind of go just a shade under because if the Bengals are able to get anything done, they got a decent defense. It's almost comparable with the Raiders in certain aspects. Um, yeah, I, I see something like, a, give me like a 28-17. I think that would bring it up to about a 45. So I'll, I'll jot that down. I'll say Bengals 28, Raiders 17, and the Bengals will be my pick for that game. All right, the next game on the slate is the Saturday night game. That's going to be New England at Buffalo, uh, another six seed at, at a three seed. This is one of the more interesting games on the weekend for me. This will be the third match uh, matchup between these two teams on the season. Obviously, they split their their regular season series. Uh, I do believe that you know we all remember the uh, the Week Thirteen game that was uh, played in a very high wind and rain and. It was a pretty ugly scene. I think that that game, the reason that New England won that game personally was due to the weather. I don't think that this year the Patriots are anywhere near as talented as the Buffalo Bills. Uh, listen, I, I believe that the Patriots deserve a lot of credit. Bill Belichick deserves all the credit, as he already always gets, for taking this team with a rookie quarterback, with no notable, you know, receiving weapons, you know, coming into the season, nobody would have, you know, assumed that the, the Patriots offense would be decent at all. As it turns out, they ended up sixth in points overall. So the, the sixth highest scoring team in the league, they ended up eighth in rushing and 14th in passing, which, you know, to be top 10, top 15 in those categories with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of no-name wide receivers it's pretty impressive, honestly. The, the thing that really strikes me about this game are the defenses. Buffalo has the number one overall scoring defense. New England has the number two overall scoring defense. So Buffalo gives up about 17 points a game. New England uh, just under 18 points a game. So it's going to be a game where the defenses are obviously going to have to step up. They're, and I, I believe they're going to step up. I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. Buffalo is favored by four and a half in this game at home. And I think that as long as we don't get another sort of weather uh, affected game in this one, I think that Buffalo is going to, is going to take care of business in that week 13 game. If you remember the New England Patriots only passed the ball three times in that game and rushed the ball 46 times, even with that advantage, which you know, I think anybody would say that, you know, a game where both teams sort of forced to not throw the ball has to be an advantage to New England. They still only ended up winning that game 14 to 10. Now, I know neither team was probably going to score a ton of points in, in the conditions, you know, that were going on in that game. But I feel like with New England not being as talented, I think on either side of the ball, I think they're going to need some sort of advantage like they had in that first game in order to beat Buffalo. The other good thing for Buffalo is that they've actually started to run the ball a little bit more often and more effectively the past few weeks. 
they were only averaging roughly 17 running back uh, attempts per game early in the season. And a lot of those attempts were in games where they kind of were up big and their fourth quarter attempts were somewhere around the um, eight to nine range. So half of the rushing attempts were coming in the fourth quarter when they were ahead. If you look at the games from week 12 to 18, they started averaging 20 running back rushing attempts per game. And I, and I specifically stated running back rushing attempts because, you know, obviously we know Josh Allen has a proclivity to tuck the ball and run with it when he needs to. And, and those aren't, you know, necessarily designed rushing attempts. So I, I don't want to count those. Those are pass attempts that just, you know, nobody's open or the pocket breaks down and, and Allen needs to scramble. So averaging three more rushing attempts per game and averaging one less rushing attempt um, in the fourth quarter on average. So they, they started to run the ball a little bit more. If you've been following us through the fantasy football season, you know that at the end of the season, we started recommending Devin Singletary a little bit more. In the beginning of the season, he was pretty much non-existent. They were kind of bouncing back and forth between him, Zach Moss, Matt Breida. But now Singletary has become the guy and Buffalo does not seem to be afraid to feed him the ball and feature him. So I think Buffalo still wants to throw, but they're going to need to mix in that run a little bit more in this game and in all the rest of the games if they really want to go deep in the playoffs. And New England is going to have to run the ball and force some turnovers if they want to beat what I believe is a much better Buffalo team. In this game, I'm going to take Buffalo, but at four and a half points, I think it's going to be close. Um, New England's defense is, you know, they're obviously one of the better passing defenses in the league. So uh, at four and a half points, I'm going to take uh, New England, but to win the game overall, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. I, I think I'm disagreeing a little bit with you. And and and, and again, I, I think it is going to be close. Now, I you look back at, yes, the, you had the wind bowl uh, in, in New England, ended up sneaking that one out 14 to 10 when nobody passed and, and everything went down that way. Week 16, the rematch, Buffalo kind of took it to them. And looking at that game, they did actually give New England a taste of their own medicine where they held the ball for close to 35 minutes, which it's hard. I mean, when a team has you beat by almost 14, 15 minutes in time of possession, it's going to be hard to get involved in in any type of game. Looking at the weather in Buffalo this weekend, currently what they're calling for is seven degrees with a about a nine, call it a nine, we'll call it a 10 mile an hour northeasterly wind. Beautiful weather for Buffalo this time of year. So if you break that wind chill down, uh, you're going to be close to zero. It's going to be cold. And, you know, things come into play. The the ground's hard, the, the ball's hard, all that mumbo jumbo and again these guys play in those conditions but i think it's going to be a little bit more conservative on both sides i don't think buffalo is going to have the stones to come right out and try to blow them out of the water uh maybe it's just me i mean i know they have it they do have a dynamic offense and i think yes uh them over these past couple of weeks finding themselves again by balancing that offense some of it was injury based where they had you know emmanuel sanders went out uh cole beasley went out so some parts of their passing game were missing and yeah they did kind of have a a shuffle at the running back but settling on singletary giving him the ball 20 25 times a game while still being able to pass you know allen do his design runs and, and everything they do look a little bit more complete the defense is there now new england it's one of those teams you hate them, but you respect that that coach is there and they know what they're doing in the playoffs. And defensively, 
they're right there with Buffalo. Offensively, they're right there with Buffalo. These are two very evenly matched teams when it comes down to it. This game personally strikes me as, okay, I got you once, you got me back, and now it's my turn to get you uh, in the playoffs. I think Buffalo is going to be coming in sky high, hosting them, smelling maybe some blood in the water. They see a young quarterback in his first playoff game. But this isn't just Joe Schmo. Mac Jones, you know, played in bowl games, championship games. I, I don't think he's going to be too crushed under the bright lights. And I don't think Belichick's going to put him in a bad spot. Buffalo came along last year and looked like they'd be a pretty solid team. And, and when it came to playing against Kansas City, it seemed like they kind of stopped playing their style of football. Evenly matched teams. I like straight up the New England Patriots to win the game. So I would take them and I would take them, obviously, with the four extra points. Uh, I feel like the feeling out of these two teams, a little bit of the weather factor involved, as far as just chilly and, and slowing everything down to a little bit of a crawl. Uh, the over-under in this game is 43. So I think I would definitely have uh, my, my pick. I'm going to go Patriots. And if you want to take them also with the points, Patriots straight up. And I like the under of 43. I don't think I gave you my my over under pick for the uh, the first game. Uh, I'm going to take the over in that Raiders Bengals game. I, I do think that you know, both of those offenses throw the ball enough to where it, it's, it's to me it seems more likely that 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 game hits the over 49, which is seven total touchdowns. And that's my personal opinion. I will also take the under in this game at 43 and a half, just due to the fact that yeah, like you said. You're going. You're talking about the number one and the number two defenses going against each other, and as good as either of these offenses may be, playoff football always seems to be a little bit more low scoring than regular season football. But I'm glad that we have some different picks here because I thought you know there's a possibility that we have the same picks, and then you know it wouldn't be very fun to to keep track. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and that's you know, just like we. How many times during the season when we were doing starts and sits, we'd have to regroup? Like, oh crap, you picked the same guy I did for mm -hmm. the same reason. You know, okay, let me scramble. Let me find somebody else who's comparable or who I liked, or you know, maybe you're picking like two or three guys to try to get you to that point. No, I think a lot of this, yeah, you and I will, will differ coming at it with similar angles, but you know, sometimes a, a totally different mindset. I, I tend to be you know, lean in a certain way in my looking at it, you have your way and and that's good. Yeah. It's, then we won't <laughs> this way. At least one of us can brag that we won as opposed to <laughs> us losing when we look at it. So again, folks, you can come to us for that one way or the other. We'll, we'll keep these stats as well and see who did better there. It's just like we did with the starts and sets. All right. Uh, so but, moving on to the most important game of the weekend. Yes, sir. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. That's the Sunday one o'clock game. The Eagles are an eight and a half point underdog to the defending Super Bowl champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Eagles, I'm going to hit the important numbers on this one. I, I don't want to read all the stats again, but Eagles are the 12th highest scoring offense, averaging 26.1 points per game. The Bucs are the second highest scoring team at 30.1 points per game. Eagles are the number one rushing team in the league, averaging 159.7 yards per game where the Bucs are actually the third best rushing defense, giving up only 92.5. So I think that's going to be a, that's going to probably be where this game is won or lost. Bucks at the top passing team in the league, averaging 307 yards, 307.6 yards per game. Eagles defense is 11th in passing yards, giving up about 221 passing yards per game. 
And as far as the turnover differential goes, Eagles are even at the turnover differential. Bucks are plus 10 at that turnover differential. And I think that is the number for me in this game that sort of dictates who wins or loses this game. If you remember the, the Bucks played the Eagles on Thursday night football in week six, where Tampa Bay won 28 to 22, the Eagles held their own in that game. And honestly, I was surprised. I thought they were going to get smashed in that game. And really it came down to them not being able to stop the Bucks from running the clock out. They scored a touchdown to make it 22, 28. And then the Bucks got the ball back and literally ran their four-minute offense in a six-minute offense setting and, and basically ran the last six minutes of the clock completely out. And it, it just didn't give the Eagles a chance to get the ball back and, and potentially go in for a game-winning score. I do like that You know, this is sort of a strength versus strength matchup. Eagles run the ball, obviously, uh, number one rushing team in the league, have a good rushing quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of ball control on Philadelphia side of the ball. Again, you know, the Bucs are, are obviously their the third best team against the run as far as yards allowed. And uh, this is going to be a, a test of wills, which team can impose their will on the other. As far as the game picks go, I mean, it's pretty much impossible to pick against Tom Brady ever. And I'm not going to do it here as much as, you know, I would love to truly pick the Eagles and believe that they're going to win this game. I think Tampa Bay is talented enough on both sides of the ball to beat anybody, honestly, especially in the NFC. But if the Eagles can run the ball effectively, keep this fairly low scoring, I think that they have a chance. I'm going to take the Bucks to win this game at home, but not to cover the eight and a half points. I think that the Eagles are going to establish the run. I think that they're going to do a good enough job at running the ball to, like I said, keep it close and, I'm going to take the Eagles with this uh, with the eight and a half, but I am going to take the Bucks to win the game. And as far as the over under, it is at 49 and a half. Again, I think if if I believe that the Eagles are going to keep this close and and you know have a chance to you know potentially even possibly win the game, I, I think it's going to have to be low scoring. So I'm going to take the under uh, under 49 and a half in this one. Well, Pat, I think you and I are going to be totally split on this game. Now, I uh, how did I know? Looking at a few different things, you know, th- throughout the throughout the season, a- a- as far as things go, not trying to be a homer or anything in particular, but I, hey, I- I'm just going to come out and say it. I like the Eagles straight up in the game, and here's why: I'm not scared of Tom Brady. I'm not scared of the fact that the Eagles have one of the best secondaries against quarterbacks. Uh, And again, back in the day, they played, yes, 28-22. Tampa Bay kind of toyed with them, kind of took their foot off the gas. Eagles made a little bit more of a game back in week six on Thursday night. But that was also when the Philadelphia Eagles ran a totally different style of offense where they were pass, 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 and couldn't get anything to really click. And and Jalen Hurts looked like he wasn't the answer, and they didn't run the football, and all that happened. And it wasn't too soon after that when the coaching staff decided to flip the script and you know get back to basics and do what was successful. At that time, everybody saw they could run the football behind that offensive line and not pass, uh, supplement the pass, things like that. Wait to pass, not just think that you could be like everybody else in the league and pass the way that you were trying to do. Tampa Bay's defense 
You know, they're vaunted and they they won that Super Bowl. Their whole team as a whole is hurt right now. I mean, Levante David, Leonard Fournette, like a lot of big names on that team are not 100%, if at all, even going to possibly play in this game. I know they're, they're trying to get everybody back, trying to get everybody healthy. This could be a game where they maybe look to think, hey, we can probably get through this game without these guys to get to the next round. We'd rather not rush them. This could definitely be one of those matchups. Tampa Bay didn't earn a bye. They didn't get the number one seed so they could sit back and fat cat it. Granted, last year, they also didn't get a bye. They didn't win their division or anything like that. Tampa Bay's defense throughout the season, uh, they gave up fourth most rushing yards to quarterbacks. Uh, and if you break down the average, they gave up uh, close to five yards of carry to quarterbacks. Now, not saying he's going to carry the ball 25 times, but everybody and their mother knows that Jalen Hurts knows how to get out of the pocket and run. Now, he hasn't been doing it as much because they have been relying more on the running backs to take care of that Miles Sanders, who should be back from his broken hand, which they were really kind of just keeping him under wraps uh, to make sure he could be ready for a playoff push. Jordan Howard, he's had some bang-up issues, but I know he'll be ready. I think they held him out the list. This past game against Dallas and, and everybody else was on the wink-wink COVID list uh, to kind of give them a little bit of a rest. Last time Tom Brady played the Eagles in the playoffs, I, I think I remember it was 41-33. Uh, granted, he was on a different team. He had a monster game, but they lost. I don't care. I, I, and I, even if I was on the outside and I wasn't, you know, a, a local guy and, and looking at this maybe with some green goggles on, I, I would still heavily consider the Eagles based on the momentum they've had, how beat up and, and haggard the Buccaneers look. You don't have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, who, who's one of the most underrated wide receivers. I don't care what anybody says. He's not a hundred percent. Again, if Fournette doesn't play and, and, you know, Brady's Brady, but we've seen some some chinks in that armor. We've seen them leaking some oil this season. And this is the right spot for a team to go in. This, this has revenge from this season. This has revenge from when the Buccaneers were supposed to come to Philly and lose because it was under 20 degrees. And all you saw was Joe Jaravicious running all over the field and all that crap that happened a long time ago. This, to me, franchise-wise, is almost a karma payback game. I like the Eagles straight up in the game. And I like, again, I like under the total. And I'm going to love to see Brady not shake Jalen Hurts' hands like a little baby and walk off the field because he can't afford to lose to the NFC East anymore. And he just can't handle it. So Eagles and the under, that's my pick. You sounded angry about that for some reason, but uh, I get it. I get it. And I do listen. I, I think, uh, I think, and I said this to you, I don't remember if it was on the podcast last week or if it was just, you know, when we were talking either before or after it, I actually wanted the Eagles to play the Bucks in the mm -hmm. first round of yeah. the playoffs because of the fact that, you know, like you said, they're, Godwin's gone, you know, Fournette may not be back for this game. We didn't even mention Antonio Brown not being with the team anymore. Um, see, I've never seen him before. <laughs> he doesn't wear a uniform, so I don't. He was only he, he was only your keeper in our league of record for like three years. Uh, oh, the when guy from the, the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that guy. guy. Yeah, that the guy that I drafted this year that I thought was going to win me the championship, and then <laughs> when last we saw, he was at like a, a Brooklyn game. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm good. But yes, I I agree that I think that uh, of all the of all the teams to play in the playoffs, I think that. Uh, the Bucks were probably the team that I would have wanted to play the most um, just due to the fact that 
you know, I think a lot of times, in, you know, you saw in the beginning of the season with this, you know, the Bucks being the third, you know, best rushing defense in the league. I want to say week one against Dallas, I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't research this before the podcast. Maybe I should have, but I want to say Dallas ran the ball like 11 times or something crazy like that. Like teams were just completely avoiding running the ball against the Bucks because of the fact that their defensive front was so good and so big and so fast. But then teams started throwing the ball against them, which, you know, obviously led to them being the 21st passing defense. So you can throw the ball against the Bucks. I don't think that that's the Eagles' strength. I think that the Eagles are going to want to run the ball. And I think that as long as they don't shy away from running the ball, I think that they do have a shot in this game. And, and that's why I'm taking the Eagles with the points. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I feel like, it, man, Tom Brady just, he just wins games. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I just can't, I, it, it, it kind of makes me angry, but he's the greatest of all time. I mean, in my eyes anyway, so uh, I, I just can't pick against them. I, I hope, I hope I get this one wrong. I would love to see the Eagles win and move <laughs> on, but to get to face the go to Green Bay and in, in week two, geez, you imagine you have to play the Bucks and then the Packers back to back. But uh, I do, I do understand where you're coming from, and and like I said, I, I definitely when I saw the line, I was like, yeah, no way, I would definitely take the Eagles getting eight points again, eight and a half points or whatever. So, oh no, yeah, the line alone is just like a slap in the face. Uh, I can't see, you know, I, I don't see Tampa Bay. Should they win the game? Yeah, they probably should. And and that's one thing. But I don't see them just wrecking shop. And, you know, they got the Eagles down 17 at, you know, halftime. And it's like, what the hell hit them? Nothing crazy like that. I mean, I know the injuries played into it, but you look back at that Saints game where they lost nine to nothing and they couldn't get anything going. The Saints have had their number. If they can follow that playbook, uh, I don't think Brady's beaten the Saints since he's been with them. I know he's got, I'm pretty sure he lost last year. That, that's what made them not win the division. I don't remember if they beat them in the playoffs or not, but this season, I mean, again, they lost a, a shootout and then they lost that game, which uh, the injuries played in, but I think the injuries are also going to play a factor just for the, I don't know how you want to put it, I guess for the, the overall momentum of the game. And I mean, that they're one of the more banged up teams. I mean, they finished the season playing the Panthers twice and the Jets and the, <laughs> the Jets almost beat them. They really should have. And that was, you know, bad play call, whatever you want to call it. Uh, on that level. And I think that, you know, you're talking Godwin, Brown's not there, Fournette, Levante Davis, Shaq Barrett, Evans is banged up. I mean, the one guy that the Eagles, the one guy the Eagles have to cover, and it's been their Achilles heel for the last few years, especially this year, somebody's just got to stand there with Rob Gronkowski the entire game. Because tight end wise, <laughs> yeah, he could get three catches for 120 yards and three touchdowns. And then that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah, I, that's probably the only thing I think that would really push me over the edge. But deep down, I, I just I really think not for nothing, but I really think that the Eagles have if any team to upset this weekend. That's that's one of the one shots they have. Uh, looking ahead, then our next game, yes, is the 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys. Looking at these two teams statistically again, I know, Pat, you may have a you're going to have a little bit of a deeper breakdown, but the Cowboys I hate to say it, but yes, they have the number one offense <laughs> in the league. <laughs> they also have the seventh best defense. Cowboys are averaging about 31 points a game, and they're only giving up about 21. Now, some of these are, I want to say, slightly inflated. This last week, I, they played the Philadelphia Eagles, who played a bunch of backups, uh, and they put up 51 points. When you look at something like that, that does 
factor in. But when you look at Dallas overall, they put up 56 on Washington, 36 in a, in a tight game against the Raiders. They put up 43 against the Falcons, a bad team, 44 against the Giants, a bad team. They beat us up pretty bad on Monday night with 41 points. You know, they, they do really well against the bad teams. The Cowboys don't, and I forget the stat off the top of my head, but they don't have a great winning record against good teams. Um, again, they played the Cardinals, who looked like they were falling apart, and the Cardinals beat them. The Raiders, again, the Raiders beat them, and, and that that's a big win for Las Vegas. That's maybe one of the reasons why they're in the playoffs. Lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Broncos, who just fired their head coach, but you know, at the time, we're, we're a decent defense, at least. And yeah, they lost to Tampa Bay in that first game of the season. The Chargers, they kind of eked out a win, aided by some referee help in week two. They don't impress me, but I don't mean it in that way. Again, they've, they've definitely come back full circle. Seeing the Cowboys step up to the plate after years of being totally mediocre and everybody making fun of them, and now they look like they're finally legit. I mean, Dak Prescott looked like he was going to be that guy last year and then had a catastrophic injury and has made his way back from it. Hats off to him. Now, looking at the 49ers, they did everything they could to almost not make the playoffs and got lucky. New Orleans won. They had to win in overtime. Stafford throws a pick in overtime to end that game. Otherwise, we're talking a whole different scenario here with these playoff matchups. The Niners, they're an, they're an odd team. I mean, Two, three weeks ago, people had them pegged to be one of the teams to maybe represent the NFC. They were kind of flying high. They, they were really doing a, a, a pretty good job of, of just coming back from different factors through the season that, that seemed to really affect them. They did lose to Tennessee, but that, they won four of their last five. They beat the Bengals again right after that. The Bengals got hot. Um, you know, the, the NFC West is really the premium division right now in, in probably the entire league. I mean, all four teams, even Seattle was, you know, at times considered playoffish and then Russ got hurt. Uh, that's a whole story. But, you know, you talk about the Rams, the Cardinals and, and the Niners at 10 and seven and, and having to eke into the playoffs, getting back to a Niners have the 13th best offense, ninth best defense. I, Niners are averaging about 25 points a game. They're giving up about 21. I, I don't – Dallas being at home, hosting a playoff game, Niners and Cowboys have had some history together in the playoffs. We've seen it in the 90s. We saw it in the 80s. Not too much in the 2000s because Dallas really didn't make the playoffs that much. They haven't been a good team for, for a long time. Them getting back, maybe smelling like they have a shot to do something, being one of the primetime, so to speak, midday matchups uh, uh, going on. I hate to say it, but yeah, I, I like the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys with the points, and I like the over in this game. I would actually take, uh, based on the way these offenses fire the football at, I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. I think defenses are going to play a factor, but with this game, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I definitely think the Cowboys probably put up another 30 spot on the Niners and, and again, just kind of take the game away a little bit. So I would say that the uh, Cowboys win and I will take the over uh, in this game. Yeah. So looking at the numbers, the Niners are actually very solid across the board. I mean, the big thing with this game in particular for me is the turnover differential. So Dallas is, you know, everybody's like, oh, Dallas's defense are so much better than last year. And they are because last year they were 
god awful. But they're 16th against the rush. They're 20th against the pass. The thing that that has saved Dallas this year has been the, the turnovers. The, I mean, that's just basically what has kept them as the you know seventh best scoring defense. If San Francisco wants to have a chance to win this game, they have to win time of possession and basically just not turn the ball over. I know I've said this in, in some of the other games, and I probably sound like a broken record, but when you get to the playoffs, most of these, these teams are so closely matched talent-wise that in the playoffs, one extra possession can often be the difference between winning and losing the game. So I think the 49ers also need to try to hold Dallas to field goals when they get into the red zone. Right now, they're 15th in red zone touchdown percentage at 56.7%. They're going to have to get that under 50% versus the Cowboys. I think that if you allow the Cowboys to score when they get in close, I don't think San Francisco has the offensive weaponry to, to keep up with Dallas. And they do have some good offensive players. I'm not saying that they're not good. I just think that you don't want to get into a shootout in this game. If you're San Francisco, this is one of these games where your defense is going to have to show up. Your offense is going to have to not turn the ball over. San Francisco runs the ball, you know, very well. They're the seventh best rushing team in the league, averaging 126 rush yards per game. I think they need to keep the ball on the ground. They need to control the clock and they need to not turn the ball over. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I think that Dallas just has too much talent yeah. overall. And I think that they're going to win this game. But I think it's going to be close. I actually think the spread is dead on. I actually think Dallas is going to win this game by three. So I'm going to, but I'm going to take San Francisco with the points in this one. Uh, Dallas to win, but San Fran with the points. And as far as the over under, that 50 and a half is, you know, if it's not for that half point, that's, uh, that's also going to be really close. Um, I actually, like doing this game, I think it's going to be like 27, 24 Dallas. So, with that being 51, I'm going to take the over reluctantly. I got 28, 24. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm going to take the over reluctantly. I'm going to take the Niners with the three uh, in the hopes that, you know, maybe a, a, a missed extra point or, or a, a two point conversion somewhere uh, keeps this game even a little bit closer than that three points. But I think as far as, uh, you know, the sports book goes, uh, the FanDuel sports book, which is, you know, what we're using, I think that, uh, I think they got this one dead on. I think this is a, a pretty close game. All right, let's move into the Sunday night game. We get the Pittsburgh Steelers going to Kansas City. The Ben, the Big Ben Bowl. Here it is. <laughs> that almost didn't happen thanks to that craziness. That oh my god, happened I, yeah. in the Sunday night football game. That's like, let alone all the tweets and memes that got to be out there. But yeah, let alone a Steelers fan. You know, for for that whole team, probably sitting in the locker room, maybe the coaching staff trying to break down game film and watching that game happen. Yeah, that, that, that had to be that had to be rough, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that once it got to overtime, they were just like, "Somebody win this game, please!" And then both teams kick field goals, which is you know crazy. You only got ten minutes. Yeah. Both teams score, and then um, that was that was nuts. But but anyway, let's get let's get to the game. Pittsburgh is just along with Las Vegas, one of the teams, one of the only two teams in the playoffs that have given up more points than they've scored throughout the course of the season. They're 21st in points scored, averaging about 20.2 points per game and 20th in points allowed, giving up roughly 23.5 points per game. Kansas City, on the other hand, started a little rocky, but have come back to the kind of the Kansas City that 
that we all know and, and love and ended up the fourth highest scoring team, averaging 28.2 points per game, giving up the eighth fewest points at 21.4. As far as the other numbers go, I mean, Pittsburgh is just uh, 29th in rush yards on offense, 15th passing. I mean, they're the worst rushing defense. They, they actually are the in top 10 in, in passing defense. They're the ninth best passing defense in the league. But if you look back to week 16, uh, which was not too long ago, Pittsburgh visited Kansas City and they abruptly got spanked and sent home. They lost that game 36 to 10. The Steelers, as we were just saying, kind of snuck into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. And if it wasn't for that tie that they had, probably wouldn't be in the playoffs. You know, as much as I love Big Ben and I would love to see him, you know, go out, you know, maybe not with the Super Bowl. I don't think that the Steelers have a, a real shot at that. But to see him go out with a with a loss in the playoffs that I think is going to be pretty bad is uh, is, a, is a tough way to go out. But at least he got, he got to play. Uh, a playoff game will be his final game of his career. So Pittsburgh's offensive line has just been really bad pass blocking and run blocking all season. I think it's going to be, and you know, Ben doesn't have a whole lot of mobility as it is left anyway. So it's going to be a pretty rough day for him. It's going to be a rough day for Najee Harris. I think that Harris may not even get much work running the ball because I think the Kansas City Chiefs can score at will and their offense is getting back to, you know, like I said, what it was. Their defense has actually been good for, uh, you know, most of the year. I think for them, it's going to be a matter of putting their offense and defense together for four straight games. You know, in order to win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to win four or more. And I think that there's a possibility that they can do that. Unfortunately for Pittsburgh, I don't think that they need to be firing on all cylinders to beat the Steelers this weekend. I'm taking Kansas City here uh, in this game. I'm taking them even given the 12 and a half points, which I know is a, a, a huge point spread in a playoff game. But with the Chiefs being at home, uh, you know, with the Steelers, just not really, the Steelers haven't been able to score on anybody. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs have just, their offense is, is starting to click at the right time. As long as Tyreek Hill's foot issue is better by next week and he's a full go for the game. I like the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I like the Chiefs given 12 and a half. And I also like the over in this game, which is at 46 and a half. I think that the Chiefs are probably put up 30 something of that on their own. So uh, I'm going with the Chiefs in this game against the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably Ben's last game. No, I know. Looking back to, to the week 16 game, one thing jumped out the Steelers had three turnovers that led to 17 points. If you took that back, it'd be a 19 to 10. It would still be, you know, uh, it'd still be better than a score that they'd have to get involved with. And if Najee Harris is a little banged up and, and you're not going to maybe be able to go to him, as much as maybe you'd like to, you're going to put the ball in Ben's hands against that team where you know that you're not going to be able to keep up with them and attract me. It's just not happening. Kansas City, different points of this season. I mean, the beginning of the year, they looked like they had completely fallen off the rails and then quietly made their way back, winning, I think it was like eight straight before they finally lost a game again. Defensively, what they've been able to do Throughout the season. Now, again, th their passing defense isn't that hot. Their running defense is a little bit stronger, but their their overall concepts of you know being a, a top 10 defense, yeah, like they're they're right there. Even though they, you know, they're definitely a bend but don't break, so to speak, concept. 
they do get turnovers, which helps, you know, obviously, again, they, they had three, they got three off of the Steelers in that game. As much as you, you you look at this and you think it's possibly a little bit more evenly matched, yeah, the Steelers, their offense is pretty anemic. Uh, I mean, they struggled, obviously, this past week, uh, eking out a win in, against Baltimore in overtime. They struggled against Cleveland the week before. And, I mean, that defense is a lot of beat them up, drag them out in, in the AFC North. It's just known for that. They just, they really, yeah, they don't have a shot. Now, could they make it respectable? Yeah, you know, they could, especially maybe with some some garbage time stuff. I don't think it's going to be a straight up blowout, but I think the Chiefs are going to go out and handle business. The over-under, I'm, I'm not 100% on. I mean, I'm looking at this and I, do I see the Steelers getting to 20 points? No, I don't. Uh, I think the Steelers might, you know, this this score might be very close to what it was before with 36 to 10. That was the score prior. I think Kansas City might do a little bit more ball control. Darrell Williams has been pretty, pretty solid with Edwards Hilaire out. I don't know if he's going to be back in time for the playoffs. I didn't see any updates per se on that. And I know, like you said, Pat, about Tyree Kill. And, and again, that passing game at different points. Kelsey, they've had some a little bit of trouble clicking here and there. You've seen Byron Pringle step up <laughs> as the the man of the you know player of the game, so to speak, here and there. But yeah, I, I definitely would lean Kansas City in this game, but I do. 12 and a half is still a big number. I don't care how bad your team is. I think I would probably, and that could be up to maybe 13 or even some people go heavy and, and dump it out. Somewhere, some places might be closer to a full 13, 13 and a half maybe. But I think I'd like the Steelers getting the points, I like the Chiefs straight up in the game. The over under, only because of the anemic parts of that offense with the Steelers, I will take the under in that game. And I, I don't think it'll be by much. I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I'm wrong on it, but I, I don't see the Steelers getting more than if they get more than two touchdowns, I would be, I'd be shocked um, at that because I got a feeling too, that if, you know, they get out there and it's Ben's last hurrah and they're just getting smoked, they may not want to embarrass them. They may just, you know, have them on the sidelines. The cameras will be on them. He knows it's kind of that day and that time. And it is what it is. And, you know, just move on. So like chiefs, I'll take the Steelers with the points and I like the under. Fair enough. One last matchup. So the NFL decided to go, hey, why don't we put a playoff game on Monday night? Monday night football. One more time. They get, they just got off on, on the pastime where they just had, what was it was it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? They just had four great four straight games. Or it was Thursday. Yeah. How'd that worked. They had Thursday, was, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They had a Tuesday game recently. Or you're talking a few weeks ago. Those two makeup games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think Thursday led into that. Am I correct? I thought that was like the last Thursday night game, maybe. I'm it not 100%. Been, yeah, yeah so, maybe because yeah, games on like six of eight days or something. Yeah, because it's you know, like the COVID makeup game. So the NFL knows that they can put a game on anytime and it'll be a, a draw. But putting a Monday night play wild card playoff game on and it looks like yeah they did take probably the most exciting matchup and put it on there you got the arizona cardinals against the los angeles rams this is a division game this is the rubber match so to speak in week four arizona 37 20 winners over the rams coming back around to week 14 and you had kyler murray scrambling around like a toddler getting smoked all over the field 
And that game ended 30 to 23 Rams with Aaron Donald sacking him at the end to end the game. Cardinals are, we hyped them up a lot in fantasy, especially at the beginning of the year. They, they really looked like they, they were going to be one of those teams to beat. And they still do have that. Um, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins being out is, is a major factor. But offensively and defensively, they're respectively 11th in the league in both. Uh, they're averaging about 26 points a game. They give up about 21 points a game. The Rams are close to that. They're eighth on offense at 27 points a game and 15th on defense at about 21.9, so call it 22 a game. So they're both right in that in that wheelhouse. Rams are a they're a home favorite. They're they're expected to win the game. They're given four points to the Cardinals. It's been a weird couple of weeks. I mean, the Rams, you've seen Matthew Stafford throwing a lot of interceptions. You start to question things. You're not sure. Again, you've seen Arizona show moments where, again, they could beat the Dallas Cowboys at home and, and make them look make them look bad and then, you know, have some other clunkers down the road where, where you know, again, you're just questioning, you know, what the heck happened. Uh, Carolina went in there and beat them up pretty bad, and Carolina is definitely not a, a playoff contender by any stretch. This is probably going to be – Arguably, this and the the Patriots Bills being two of the most even matchups, division repeats, you know, third times a charm type of games. This is going to be one that's definitely going to be, I think, just you know what we we know what you're doing, you know what we're doing. We're just going to keep airing it out and, and see who who can beat who at, at their at their game, which is you know dynamic offenses and especially this year with Arizona, very good defenses. I, I really would probably just say, you know, based on everything, Rams are the home team in the playoffs in this setting. I, I kind of like the Rams. Uh, I I think the Cardinals could very well get to that point where, you know, they do cover that four points. The over-under is 50. I like 28 to 24 Rams. I just feel like they're just going to have a little bit too much. They're one of those teams that when you really looked at them on paper at the beginning of the year, and, you know, I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder, but they were definitely a contender. Look at that coach and, and what they do. And you said, oh, my gosh, you just upgraded that offense. You went from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. We kind of all saw certain things were possible. And then defensively, they've do, done some things to fine tune it. Again, Von Miller got at it. Hasn't been the old Von Miller, but you know I'm sure all these guys they know they dial it up for three four weeks and walk away holding the Lombardi Trophy. We've seen it before, and, and I'm sure we'll see it again. Uh, I just feel like the Rams may be quietly lurking where some people felt, including myself, that maybe they they maybe be a little bit of a fade. But I, I definitely think that they have everything it takes to be standing there in February hoisting a title. So again, I'm going to take the Rams. I'll take the Cardinals with the points. I'll give them four points and say they can definitely get that. Um, and then uh, I do like the over the game. Like I said, I'll, I'll say 28, 24. Yeah. I think looking through all the, you know, the stats and, and everything, <clears throat> this was probably the hardest game for me to pick. I mean, these two teams, like you said, they split the regular season series. Arizona won back in week four when they were one of the hottest teams that, you know, obviously everybody was still healthy, but since starting 10 and two, the Cardinals have lost four of their last five and they've really struggled on offense without Deandre Hopkins. AJ green is just not, he's not the AJ green that we remember from Cincinnati. He's 
he's still a good player, but he's not a number one wide receiver. He's not good enough to carry uh, an offense as far as, you know, a receiving game. I think for Arizona to win this game, they're going to have to do it defensively. They're going to have to lean on James Conner and, and hopefully Chase Edmonds will be back. And that's kind of, you know, the game plan against Dallas. Now they did throw the ball in that game against Dallas, but they ran the ball very effectively in that game, averaging over four and a half yards per rush. I think Connor had two touchdowns in that game and, and, and he really is the key, I think in this game. And honestly, for the Cardinals moving forward in the playoffs, if, if they want to, you know, upset the Rams and, and continue to make their way through this, this playoff push, I think James Connor has to be a huge part of it. The passing game just is not what it was. If we look at, you know, if you look at Kyler Murray's numbers early in the season, he was, you know, again, this is a fantasy football podcast. At one point, Kyler Murray was the number one quarterback in fantasy football. And then as soon as DeAndre Hopkins started, you know, missing games and, and coming out of games hurt and things like that, he just, he fell off. And I mean, not that you can blame him. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the, you know, probably top five most talented wide receivers in the NFL. So not having him is a is a huge blow. The Rams have all the talent on both sides of the ball, but they needed a Cardinals loss last week to clinch the division. So I'm by no means saying that, you know, the Rams are great and they got this game locked up and the Cardinals are going to have to do something special in order to win it. I think this is one of those games that could honestly truly go either way in these situations. I'm going to go with the talent. I'm going to go with who I believe is the better coach and Sean McVay. And I'm going to go ahead and pick the Rams as well. And I see this game almost exactly the way you see it. I, I see the Rams winning, but I think it's going to be close. So I'm going to take the Cardinals with the points. And I do like the over as well, because I think that I think that both teams, again, with me picking the team, that's the favorite kind of means that it's going to be a little bit more of a high scoring affair. I do think the Cardinals can score with them. The Rams defense, you know, has not lived up to the, uh, the big name billing that they've kind of built with, you know, all these free agents that they've picked up and things like that. So Rams are still a good team. And like you said, I, I still do believe that they have the talent and the ability to win the entire NFC and, and be the NFC's representative in the Super Bowl. Um, but I think the Cardinals are a scrappy team. I think that they've, they played the, this Rams team twice now and they know exactly what LA is looking to do. And I think it's just a matter of you know, the Cardinals leaning on Connor, leaning on that run game. Again, I think if you're an underdog in the playoffs, <clears throat> I think leaning on your running game is probably the best thing that you can do because it keeps the ball in your hands, keeps the ball obviously out of the hands of the other team. Uh, allows you to run the clock. It allows your defense, your defensive players to stay fresh. So I think if the Cardinals can lean on Connor and even Kyler Murray scrambling a little bit more in those passing situations, you just keep moving the sticks, keep the ball on offense and, you know, score in the red zone when you have a chance. I think there's, there's a chance that they could win this game, but I, I just don't see the Rams allowing that to, to be the case. All right. So I think that's it for our games for this week. And like I said, we're going to put out one podcast this week. It'll it'll just be this one here, the picks and and uh, our review of our start sits. We're going to continue to review and 
pick these games throughout the playoffs for the next you know four or five weeks or so. Uh, we're also going to try to bring you some other information, you know, maybe a little bit more fantasy relevant information. Uh, next week, we are looking to potentially go over our uh, our preseason draft rankings and see how well or how poorly we did on those. I think that it's good to review that stuff um, at the end of the season and, you know, see where you went right, see where you went wrong and kind of just figure out how to get better moving forward. And if you're into fantasy football as much as we are, that's really what you want to do is you want to get better each and every week, each and every year. And I think that's the, uh, the goal. So also next week, a uh, big announcement. We're going to have our first guest appearance on the podcast. We're very excited. We're going to be welcoming to the show, Jake Trowbridge. He's a co-host of Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football podcast and the Ball Blast Football podcast. He's also a weekly contributor to Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life newsletter. Really funny guy, really smart. I'm excited to have him on. I can't wait uh, to pick his brain a little bit. He does a lot of really funny videos and non-traditional fantasy football content. He's not just putting out rankings and things like that. He, This guy's like an actual entertainer. If you're listening to this podcast and you're on social media and you want a good follow, follow him at Jake Trowbridge. Uh, he just put out a new video today, you know, just a song parody about Dynasty Trades. And he's, he's, he's a funny dude, man. He's really hilarious. And I'm really looking forward to having him on the show. So I uh, look forward to that uh, being on the show next week. You got anything before we uh, get out of here for the day? No, nah, man, I'm 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 enjoying what we're doing now. You know, we we get to make some fake team picks when it comes down to it, and and you know, just do this for fun where we don't have as much fantasy riding on it. Although, you know, not being able to make many moves, I know we're together in a dynasty league that I saw a couple people dropped out of. So I guess we'll figure out. Uh, you know, I guess our league manager will, will give us the heads up on what's gonna what's gonna happen with that when it comes to. You know, I guess other people jumping in or, or how that's going to play out. Definitely excited to to meet Jake and, you know, do this interview and, and get another perspective uh, on fantasy football and, and make it a, a part of our show. Uh, you know, see how the other half lives and, and how other guy, other guys and gals do attack this. Like you say, on, a, on an entertainment level more, obviously, you and I are boring as hell. So it would be nice to have somebody come in that, you know, spice it up a little bit. You know, not to we're not talking. uh we're not talking like, you know, hot ones, the bomb, hot sauce type stuff. But, you know, we definitely want to want to add a little flavor to this. And I think it would be nice to to definitely get a guy like that. Now, he is a great entertainer. Again, watching a lot of his stuff online. Just somebody else out there that probably started the way we did. And obviously, I don't play guitar, so I can't quite get to the level he's at. But, yeah, definitely uh, going to look forward to having him on here. All right. It looks like that's going to do it for this week. We will uh, catch you all next week and look forward to talking some more playoff football with you are with you all here on the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Peace. We'd like to sincerely thank you for listening to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at the Nine Route One and at Scott from Delco. We put out a lot of funny and informative information on there. Our email address, if you'd like to email the show, is the Nine Route FFB at gmail.com make sure to click the little plus wherever you're listening to follow the show and if you like what we do please leave us a review we'll be back next week with more fantasy football info to take your team deep 
here on the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast.